Episode 194 of the Biv and James Iowa Show, a great strategy to help you build confidence in your tomorrow. Radio team, welcome along to episode 194 of the Bevan James Isle Show, your fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness, so you can get all the benefits that come alongside it. I say, um, today I, I haven't got an interview today, I haven't actually even tried to arrange an interview, so that's why I don't have an interview, but I have got a podcast for you, it's a bit of a Bevan show today, uh, I will get an interview for the next one. Traditionally, if you listen to the show, you know I do kind of do an interview, then a Bevan show, you're getting back to back Bevan right now, you're getting back to back uh, what am I talking about today? I'm going to talk about a couple of things. I'm going to talk, share a little bit about some learnings from my band's recording. Uh, and then I have a topic. I, I did a subject on how to deal with a lack of confidence a while ago, but I've had a couple of sessions with some clients in the last couple of weeks that have helped me evolve that. So I wanted to kind of, it's almost like part two on how to deal with a lack of confidence. And there's some really cool stuff there that I think. Uh, that a lot of us can learn from, so I'm going to share that with you. So uh, if you listen to the last episode, I think I was talking about how my band is going to be recording our album over the next couple of weeks, and this time last week, I was in my garage, uh, we managed to hook up with this amazing, amazing sound engineer, and I've been talking about him quite a lot recently, because you know in life when you meet somebody who is passionate, and and I was talking to someone about this the other day, I was talking about how Passion is attractive. Passion is attractive. Because this guy called Ren, he's this young guy, well, I'm 43 now, so anyway, anything under 43 is young. Ren, I think it was about 27. Uh, and he's this kid who is just passionate about engineering music. Passionate, but also knowledgeable. So he spent three years studying. He's upskilled himself since then. He's gone out in the field. He's done different types of jobs. He's done gone with bands and concerts and stuff like this. So, And you could just knew when you were talking to this guy, he knew his stuff. Like, he just, the depth of knowledge in this era of recording was absolutely phenomenal. And and when I wasn't recording, and the other guys in the band were recording, I'd just sit behind him and watch it, and I kind of didn't even know what he was doing, but I was kind of attracted to it because it was impressive. And then you'd ask him a question about something, like I'd say, you know, what's the difference between just mixing and mastering? And for most musical engineers, it's a pretty 101 question. Uh... But he, he just went into the weeds. And, and I'll be honest, most of it's over my head because I don't know a lot about sound engineering. But it's just attractive. Passion is attractive. And watching Ren, and, and, and Ren, you know, he's not like a big personality like me. It's not like he's, you know, got oozing, um, not saying he's a boring personality, but, you know, like, you know, I'm, you can tell by the way I present this show, I'm kind of, I'm dynamic, or at least I try to be dynamic, um, but I have a lot of energy about the things I'm passionate about. And Ren wasn't that kind of passionate, it was, but he just had this passion to him, which I felt was really cool. And it just reminded me of passion is attractive. Like it really is, isn't it? When you think about those people in your life who have a passion for anything, if you get them talking about that thing, it's it's 
it's a beautiful thing to watch. And I don't know if I've talked about this, sometimes I get a bit lost, but Joe and I are watching MasterChef right now in Australia. I may have talked about this in the last episode, but if not, I'm going to talk about it now. Uh, MasterChef Australia is this show that Joe watches, and, and over the years I've kind of come and gone out of it. And um, this recent series is an interesting series, because for traditionally they've had these three hosts who have been in the show for like 15 years, and they're kind of icons of the MasterChef in Australia and Asia and New Zealand. And they had budget negotiation or, or payment negotiations, and they all quit. So this year they had a bit of a dilemma, because it's like, how do you replace three legends? And they went with a pretty cool formula where they got three new hosts. Um, and, you know, let's be honest, when someone takes over a new role, you kind of go into them with maybe a slightly unfair look at their role. But also what they did is they got a lot of the contestants from the past who were pretty high-level people. Now, I, I don't care for reality TV. I, I don't really ever watch reality TV. And when I do watch it, it tends to be a disappointing experience because... A, you kind of feel you're losing your mind when you're watching it. B, it triggers up emotions in you that are that are forced upon you to don't to not like people. It kind of brings out a bad version of me, and that's why I tend to stay away from reality TV. But MasterChef, I might think, it may go down as my favorite show this year. And like I love, I love good TV. I love, like my wife and I will watch, we'll work through a TV series at a time, and you know. I don't want to sound like a snob here, but I do like to think that I watch good, kind of intelligent, challenging TV programs. Um, but MasterChef takes the cake this year. And why does it take the cake? And I've thought deep and hard about this. Why is this program so attractive? And the reason it's attractive is they've got a bunch of highly skilled people. Like everyone who's on the show this year are pretty highly skilled people. Passionate about cooking. Like these are passionate people. Think like Ren and sound engineering. These are people who just, they just think, breathe, sleep. You know, food is their passion. And, and, and what they've done in MasterChef, which is so great, is they've created an environment that challenges and grows them. So it's passionate, high-skilled people and an environment that grows them. But most importantly, and this is where it's different to most other reality TV shows, that's done in a supportive and loving environment. Like they all talk about how they want to win the show, but then you never hear them putting the other people down. You can genuinely see that they care for each other and they build these real human relationships with each other along the way. And I fundamentally think that they have an understanding that these people here are helping me get better. So even if I go out, I've gone to a higher level for them. And, and even the judges, it's just about trying to see human excellence. And for a guy who doesn't really care for reality TV at all, this show gets it right. Because what they are doing is they are doing showing highly skillful people in an area they're passionate about, watching these people grow in a love of, loving and supportive environment. When you think about that, it's like we need more of that in our life. And, and when I say this, I don't mean on TV. I mean in our life. Like we need to be surrounding ourselves with highly skilled people who are passionate, who want to support us towards growth and want to do it in a way that's a loving and supportive environment. Like I really hope with my business, that's what we do. I really hope that, you know, that that's the, the, the environment we keep create for with people in my business. So when you, when, when you think about the people in your world, 
think about that, you know, think about putting yourself towards those types of people. And then think about being that person. Because that's the thing. Most of us have a passion. Yeah, I'll be honest, all of us have a passion. Some people will think, I can't, I don't know my passion. Um, and if that's the case, you just need to spend some time finding it. But at the same time, you've probably got the thing that you could just talk for hours about because you really love it. And to me, that was one of the key learnings from my recording of the band was I, I'm so attractive, attracted to passion. It's, it's such a beautiful character trait to have in somebody. Some other little things I learned from recording with the band. The importance of testing yourself. No, this is a different kind of test for me because most of my tests are things like academic tests or, you know, proving you've learned some knowledge or a fitness challenge of working really hard. Uh, This was a a creative test. And it was interesting, I've been talking to people because I talked a lot about my recording process before I actually did. I let everyone know my band's recording this weekend. I'm pretty excited about it. And and then this week, everyone said, how to go? And, and I've kind of been telling people, it's been a really interesting experience. And we haven't quite finished yet. We've still got a little bit of work to do. But it's been an interesting experience. And the reason why was, it wasn't necessarily a fun experience. Like, my band, we get together every Thursday night. We write songs. We practice songs. We try to sharpen songs up. It's, it's heaps of fun. Because when you get a few musicians together, and you get that moment when you're making music that you made up together... It's just a buzz. And when you've got that thing happening, and then there's this energy in the room, it's just it's just fun. It's it's just cool. You know, I just absolutely love it. Well, when you're recording, you're creating a product. And I'll be honest here, with this thing here, we are gonna try and give it a shot. Like I know music's a pipe dream, and I and I understand there's a future where you know, nothing came of this. Like, I kind of get that. But we're going to put our hand up. We're going to say, hey, we, we want to see if we can do something with this. So, you know, so the product needs to be good. And Ryan, the, the age, um, the sound engineer, was saying, well, there's kind of two ways you can record it. You can record it just as a band playing, but it's never that sharp and it's not really going to be good for, like, radio play. Or you can do, like, proper recording, and that's where each person will record their bits. You're going to be pretty precise Uh, You're going to use a click track, which is like a metronome to make sure you're on the beat and so on and so on. And so we we want to be a band who's putting our hand up, trying trying to give it a go, trying to do something with this. So we went with the second option of doing it properly. So instead of sitting around with my mates, playing music and just having an awesome time, I was having to be really precise. And I've played piano for about 10 years right now. I'd still say I'm a pretty average piano player at best. Um... You know, I love it, and I've got better, and I progress, um, and I practice really hard. But the recording process was kind of like a test for me. It was a real test, because when I recorded, it really exposed where I need to grow. It really exposed where I need to grow. And in some ways, it reinforced some of the lessons that piano has taught me anyway, but it, it reinforced it to a higher level. So when you're playing in the live environment, again, what you do is you'll have your headphones on, and literally all I'm hearing is a click, and I've got to make sure I play the song to the click. And I'll be honest, I kind of wasn't that great at it. Um, Some songs I was 
good in parts, other songs, not good in other parts. There was probably only one, two songs where I really got it right for most of the song. A lot of the time, I just wasn't that great. And so we'd basically have to record me doing a section and really precisely focusing on that section, stop, then work on the next section. And uh, it was an interesting experience because A, I was very self-aware. So I wasn't like, you know, when you're in just rocking out for your mates trying to be expressive, I was very in that kind of self-aware place. And I was trying to be really precise. And ultimately, I wasn't that great at being precise. And this testing moment for me was a really good thing. Because for me to be a better musician, I've got to be more precise. Now, if you'd asked me before this weekend what I've learned from piano, I would have said, well, definitely you need to dig deeper and be more precise in things. Because, you know, I've already learned that from piano. But this moment where I had to test myself in an environment that was really important, I had to be high quality... I actually wasn't that great. And it made me realize that, oh, no, precise, like like 10 times more precise than I've already been. And so this week, we've taken a week off, a couple of weeks off just playing together because it's, you know, it's been pretty intensive over the last kind of two months. And I, there's a song from the, the play Hamilton or the musical Hamilton called You'll Be Back, which is the King song, which I absolutely love. And so I, I bought that song and I've started to learn it. Now, I'm learning this with 10 times more precision than I've ever tried to learn another song from sheet music. I'm going, I'm, I'm breaking it down to smaller bits. I'm going over those bits over and over again. I'm doing the single hand thing over and over again. I'm, I guarantee I'll learn this piece better than I've learned pieces in the past. And why do I know this? Because I tested myself. The recording process for me was me testing myself. And testing yourself is cool because it's, you know, do I perform in that moment? But one of the other reasons testing yourself is so important is that where that's where the learning for the next level comes. Like, if I just hadn't had last weekend and just kept playing, I would have never learned, oh, you need to go way deeper in your precision when it comes to testing yourself. So uh, the, the testing yourself is, is the lesson I, I want to learn here, to really enforce here, is that in the areas in your life that are important to you, and the areas in your life you want to develop in yourself, there has to be test points along the way. It can be within movement. It can be that you do a race. It can be that you do some kind of physical challenge. Within your career, it might be that you upskill yourself and you test yourself in that way. It might be that you put your hand up for a higher level opportunity. And you may not even get the opportunity, but that's a test because you'll come back away from that and you'll learn, ah, oh, this is where I need to grow. So the second thing I learned from the recording process was the importance of testing myself. And interestingly, even the songs that we recorded, we recorded 11 songs. I've got to go back and, be, and learn to be more precise with those. So part of my getting ready to take the band live and get ready for the album is I need to get better at playing my own songs. So that's a good experience for me. The third thing I learned, and I've kind of talked about this a little bit recently anyway, but I want to just reinforce it. And this is probably the thing I'm proud of when it thinks about my recording. Um, as I said before, I'm, I'm a pretty average pianist. And, and I've talked about this before on the show. I'm not saying that from an insecure place. I just am. You know, I just, just you know, on a scale of one to ten, I probably sit on a four when it comes to piano playing. Um, and, and when we think about what I do musically for my band, um, my stuff's pretty basic. Now, I'm lucky because we've got a great drummer and we've got an amazing guitar singer. Um, so they're really great at what they do. Um, I think most pianists would look at what I do and go, that's pretty basic stuff. 
but I'm really proud of the fact that I've still produced something. You know, like, one of my limiters as a musician has always been I need to be a higher level before I can create. And last week, my, my band members and I, we, we made something. We made 11 songs that we're going to try to take to the world. Um, and I'm proud of that. I'm proud of the fact that I've put my hand up and said, I want to be someone who's going to give it a shot. And as I said before, this might be one of those things that never comes through anything. But at least I know I've given it a shot. And why am I sharing this with you? Is, is, is There's that thing of don't die with the music in you. And, and obviously I'm doing music right now. Don't, don't not do the thing that you know you deep work down want to do. Because as much as, you know, like, I know my bits aren't the most complicated piano playing that you're ever going to hear or keyboard playing that you're ever going to hear. I'm still proud of it. I still, you know, like, I have that forever now. You know, that, that this album. Um, and so my third thing is be the person in life who puts your hand up for the things you want to do in your life. You know, who knows what will come of that. But at least you know you tried. And, and I'd much rather be a guy who has an album that goes nowhere, but created the album, than be the guy who sits on the sideline and goes, I wish I made music. So from my recording process, and I know this is quite a long introduction today, but I just really want to share these things with you, is first of all, um, be the one way to be attractive in the world is to be passionate about something and surround yourself with passionate people who hope you, help you grow in a supportive and loving environment. Test yourself. Test yourself, and testing yourself is good for you because A, hopefully you deliver, and even if you don't, the more important thing is it shows you where you need to develop yourself next. And then thirdly, put your hand up in life. You know, why can't it be you? Why shouldn't it be you? Put your hand up. Be the person who puts your hands up. So before I get into the main just today's show, I just want to say a big thank you to all the patrons of the show. Uh, if you are a patron, just thank you so much. The patrons are the people who donate a little bit of their hard-earned money to the show each time I release a show. And it just it just really helps, to be honest. And I've got to be honest, at times with this show, I don't know if the show would have continued without the patrons. So I just want to say thank you to all the patrons who already are patrons. And when you become a patron, you get a cool nickname. So I'm going to name a few of the patrons. Uh, we've got Esther, the golden one, Chen Green. We've got Sam Squiggly Wiggly Arms Green. Uh, she's currently pregnant, so congratulations, Sam. I'm pretty proud of Sam. Sam's a lovely, lovely person in every way possible. Olivia Alice Garland, and she's the Wonder Girl. We've got Dr. Sustain Sean Barnes. Uh, we've got Samantha Magic Johnson and Sally Super Trooper Lamb Hugh. These are I know a few of these people. I'm pretty lucky actually, because each of the people I know there are pretty special people. So I'm very lucky to have special people in my life. Um, if you want to become a patron of the show, just go to bevanjamesiles.com, click on podcast, go support me, and go through the process. It just helps me do what I do. Anyway, I'm going to get into the main gist of the show right now. Let's rock and roll. In preparing, preparing for this episode, I knew I wanted to do an episode on confidence. And I know recently I had done when I looked at the show notes for looking back a while ago, and I think I did one on confidence not so long ago. Yep, 185, so kind of within the last 10 episodes. And I'm pretty sure what I talked about in that one was that kind of finding evidence. 
you know, see where you are, find evidence, put yourself on that scale. I haven't done a lot of prep. I didn't go back and listen to that episode, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was about. And, and I'll just quickly recap it. From what I recall, it was, it was very much um, identifying exactly where you are in an area. And, and you know, and the idea of a scale of one to 10, 10 is you're an absolute rock star, one is your absolute zero. And then put yourself realistically on that. And then set out where your skills and abilities are in that area. And then look for the next step in progress. And as you have the next step in progress, one of the most important things that you do is you find evidence. To evidence to see that you are progressing in that way. Uh, and then, you know, as you get to that new level, you sit in that level and so on. And it was kind of a strategy to help you see that you are progressing and you are getting better in an area. Because if you see evidence of progress, it allows you to be more confident of moving forward. And uh, you want to go back and listen to the episode because I go into a lot more depth of it. But I want to share another strategy around confidence today. And this is a really interesting one because I had a session with a client and, and it's it's really interesting actually because maybe it's as a coach you have themes that you take to sessions or maybe it's just some, for some reason certain lessons come through at the same time but recently with a few of my clients um, the thing of confidence has come up and, and some of the stuff I talked about in that last episode was being dealt with but I had a really interesting conversation with a client the other day that I wanted to kind of teach the learnings of from that with you. So what happened was, I have a, a client who about three years in their career, three years ago, got a step up in their career, which was a massive step up. It was the ambition. It was what this person wanted to be doing in their career. Um, but it was probably a little bit earlier in their career than what they thought. So when they came into this role, they were in the deep end. And deep in for a few ways. A, they felt like a bit of an imposter. You know, the, the emperor's clothes. It was funny. Uh, they, they said a statement of, I felt I was naked. You know, we, we all get this. as the imposter syndrome. What if they find out? What if they find out? And what if they find out I'm naked? What does that mean? And when this person first went into this next level of their career, they were naked. But their skill level wasn't really of the level of the role that they were doing. Um, emotionally, they weren't ready to take on this level. So they went through a, a period of about a year where it was it was bloody hard. And they told me that they'd actually written their resignation letter and there was a moment where they were pretty much ready just to walk out. Uh, but they didn't. And they actually got some help for the emotional stuff and they started to develop their skills in the role. And and fast forward, they're now three years down the path. Now, we've been working together since the beginning of this year. And one of the reasons we started to work together was because fundamentally this person felt they lacked confidence. And so we've done a lot of work around um, management of self, using great tools to keep themselves in a high level place. And this person has done amazing uh, and what's been really cool with this person last period of time, like I'm a big believer in tools, use tools and strategies consistently to keep yourself at a higher level place. And this person in the last period has done so well with that and it's been a really busy period. And often in a busy period, that's where you see people pull away from these behaviours. But this person didn't. They maintained their tools, they maintained their structures and they performed at a higher level in a really emotional way. But they had an incident happen within their workplace a couple of weeks ago. 
And it was an incident where something happened where they made a mistake in how they responded to it. I don't want to give too many details away because obviously it's a client and it's confidential, but let's just say there was a situation where um, they made a mistake that was, it was it, there was a problem that was a decent-sized problem. And there was kind of steps that they were meant to do after the, in dealing with the problem and after the fact. And... What happened was they were in this really busy day, back-to-back meetings all day. The problem kind of came out of nowhere. They dealt with the problem, and then they went to the next meeting. And the problem was that there was kind of a few follow-up steps that should have happened, but because they went to the next meeting, those follow-up steps didn't happen. So, And those follow-up steps were kind of really important. So then what happened was their mistake got exposed, And it looked like it was going to cause some big problems. Now, in my client's head at this moment, they went back to, I'm naked. They went back to, I'm being exposed that I just can't do my job that well. I'm being exposed that I just can't do my job very well. Now, when we had our session, what we figured out was we kind of, we narrowed it down. We, we kind of said, first of all, well, why did this happen? And it turned out that fundamentally they just didn't have a very good system for kind of crisis management. So we kind of created this kind of checklist of, of here's what you need to do in crisis management. You need to do these five things and include the follow-up that they missed this time. And it's that thing of, we're allowed to make mistakes as long as we learn from them, we don't repeat them moving forward. And so we put the system in place so that when things like this happen in the future, and they will because crisis management happens, that they have the system that they'll go to and they'll kind of tick the things off to make sure they've covered all their bases, which means this mistake won't happen. So we kind of dealt with the problem, we looked at it as a learning thing. But what we were really more interested in was this person, now again, the problem that they had was, was a mistake. It was a, it was a kind of a, a mid-sized mistake, and they definitely could have done things better. It wasn't a fireable offence. It wasn't an end-of-the-world mistake. They were never going to lose their job from their mistake. Um, they needed to front up. They needed to learn, and they did. And they needed to make sure it doesn't happen in the future. They did. But the mat was not going to be pulled away. But when this moment happened, my client went to that place of, I'm naked. I'm going to be exposed. I could lose my job. Now again, they weren't going to lose their job from this problem. It it wasn't that big. But within themselves, there's a fundamental lack of confidence which takes them to that place. It makes them irrational in a time of doubt. Irrational to a level that's so high that they're worried about losing their career. So we, we we really had to work through this, and and the first thing I kind of did did with this client was I as I helped them see that they had progressed. So we kind of talked about that first year in their career, and it was basically that they were naked and they felt very exposed, and it was bloody horrible. Now three years down the path, uh, you know, the, they've skilled and a lot of, they've upskilled and they're much more confident in their role. So that it was the importance of doing this was just to help them to see that they had progressed. And as they had progressed, they didn't get fired in that first year. So they're a better version of themselves now. So they're not probably not going to get fired moving forward. Now, we can tell people these things. We can say, you know what, I'm not quite, I'm, you know, based on the problem that you had, I'm pretty sure you're not going to get fired for that thing. But it's the lack of confidence that makes us have that thought that in a moment of doubt, I feel exposed, I feel naked. And so that means that tomorrow is insecure. 
So in working with this person, we had to think of some strategies around helping them move away from this place. And there was one thing that really hit a note. And I want to share it with you guys today because I think it's really powerful. And I'll actually take a step back. So so as I was saying before, one of the things I did is I kind of said, well, where were you when you started and where are you now? Because when you started, it was, you're kind of in a hole because you were underskilled and kind of out of your depth. And now you're in this role and you're actually doing a good job. And, you know, so, so one thing we're seeing in the three years from day one to where you are right now is that you've grown. You've grown. And I, and I kind of asked them, how much have you grown? And this kind of flow of answers came out. You know, I've done this and that, and I definitely feel more comfortable here. And you know, I don't even think about this thing anymore. And 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 then I said, and do you grow in other areas of your life? And they said, oh yeah, no, I definitely I do this, this and that, and I you know, bang, bang, bang. And and I so I said, so do you have the ability to grow? I said, oh yeah, 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 I have the ability to grow. And what I was doing here was I was helping them see a character trait that was good for them. A character trait that was good for them. And actually, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to, well, while I'm talking to you here, I'm actually pulling up their homework. When I, when I do sessions with my clients, I always give them homework and I write notes. you got your homework for the week. Uh, it's not bad homework, it's just good homework. But um, and I, So basically what we did over the next period of time is we kind of figured out what were great character traits about this person that made them good at their job. What were good character traits? So one was this person has an amazing ability to grow. This person has an amazing ability to grow. And the last three years of a guy who, you know, the skill set was at a certain level, was under the level and all the rest of it, now doing really well in their job and so on, they've grown a massive amount in that last three years. Uh, another thing they came up with, we came up with is that they're very good at being collaborative. And they're in kind of this management role. It's a really important management role. And so they've got this really good skill of bringing people together to make teams that can actually deliver on, on results at a high level. So not just that they grow, but they're, 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 they're kind of a facilitator of collaborative efforts that create high results. Like that's a that's that's a pretty cool skill skill to have when you're at a management kind of role or a leadership kind of role. Another one we we discovered was that they are good at making decisions based on the information they have in front of them. They are good at making decisions based on the information they have in front of them. So they can kind of step back and look at a world and go, okay, yep, there's that puzzle there. I can put this piece here and I can put this piece here, and I'm really good at doing that. Uh, the hard working. Hard working is an amazing character trait to have. Because, and I don't want to crap on people here, but there's a lot of people who don't work hard. There's a lot of people out there who are quite happy to tick the box, grab their paycheck. You know, like being hard working is a massive advantage in life. And this person. I said, are you a hard worker? Oh, yeah, no, I'm definitely a hard worker. And in the role they're in, you don't you don't get those roles unless you're a hard worker. Uh, understanding people. So having a high emotional intelligence around understanding people. And the last one they wrote down is that they're responsive. They can respond to kind of fires and know how to, you know, put those fires out. So we kind of, we sat down, we just talked about these things, you know, tell me all about, you know, where your strengths are and blah, blah, blah. And that, so those are the came growth, collaborative, good decision maker, hardworking, understands people, and responsive. Once we'd established those character traits, I kind of threw this question at him. I said, if someone in your role 
was really great at those character traits, do you think they have a secure future? If someone in your role was really good at growing, was a strong collaborator, was good decision maker, hardworking, great at understanding people and responsive, do you think they have a secure future? And, and maybe even do you think they have a flourishing future? And his answer was yes. His answer was, yeah, yeah definitely. That, that's the kind of traits this, this role needs. And this is where the disconnect was happening between what he felt about his future and the real version of him. Is that when he looked at his future, he felt he was the emperor with no clothes on and that he's just waiting to be exposed and the, and the rug's going to be pulled out. So it made him kind of had this underlying lack of confidence in his ability. Whereas when we look at his character traits, he's going to be fine in his future as long as he maintains and evolves his character traits. That his future is okay. It's, going to, it's actually going to be really exciting when he looks at it with that behind him. And that's what I started to talk to him about, was that ultimately your future is going to be fine if you've got those character traits. And I kind of talked about myself and Joe. So Joe and I, through the COVID time, it's been an insecure time for many people through the COVID time. And we had uh, insecurity around business. We know, you know, we had investment insecurities and so on. And one thing, and I've talked about, you know, how to deal with the COVID time. But one thing, Joe, you know, if Joe was saying to me, oh, I'm a bit worried or, you know, I'd say, babe, you and I are hardworking. We're a bloody good team. We, 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 we care for people, you know, we really care for people and we know how to build community, um, we're good problem solvers. Even if our business dies tomorrow, with these character traits, we're going to be fine. With these character traits, we're going to be fine. Often when we think about our future, we forget what we've got that's great about us today. We, we, we almost turn a blind eye to it and we look in the future as though we don't have that underneath us. That we don't have this amazing foundation of these great character traits that mean I'm going to move forward into tomorrow in a way that I can feel confident about. In a way that I can have energy, that I can feel ambitious, that I can try to evolve these things. And that was the fundamental message that I was giving to my client. Is that those character traits that we've just identified the growth, the collaborative, the, the good decisions, the hard working and so on. That means your tomorrow is going to be fine. That, will you make mistakes? Yeah. Will you have moments like this again? Yeah. But as long as you're doing those character traits and you're aligning and going further into those character traits, you just don't need to worry about being naked. It's just a waste of your energy. So with this in mind... <clears throat> We, we, you know, I've got a process that I'm working with with my client, but I think there's just some things for you to think about in regards to this, because I do think that we, if once we understand that are my character traits and I am strong with my character traits, I just fundamentally believe I can look at tomorrow in a different way. And if you are someone who's, as I've talked about my client here, and you feel to yourself you are exposed, you are an imposter syndrome, or that, you know, the mat's about to be pulled from underneath your feet. It's not good for you and we want you to be able to move forward in a way where you look at tomorrow in, in a way that's ambitious, in a way that's exciting, in a way that with a belief that I can move forward and create a life and, and enhance a life that makes my life great. So I've just kind of got a couple of things I've written down before I come to the episode. And the first is um, for you to identify what your great character traits are. 
You know, what are your great character traits? What are my great character traits? Hard working. Again, not many people work hard, but I'm definitely a hard worker. I can work, I can work, my capacity to work is pretty high. Um, I like to grow. Great with people. Like, I've, I'm, I'm a real people person. Uh, and that's not just as I'm socially great. I, I, I have the ability to bring the best out of people. So you can see these are things that I have within me that I that are really good. You know? And as I think about tomorrow, as long as I maintain those things, my tomorrow is fine. So what are those things for you? Now, some people may not know that. Maybe you have been surfing through life. And so you may have to spend some time developing what your traits are or getting back to your traits. Because ultimately what we want to do is understand what my great traits are and then kind of stay at a high level with them and then even try to evolve them. So I just think right now as you kind of sit in and listen to, especially if you are feeling, Bevan, you're talking to me in this one, is to identify what are your great character traits. You know, what are your great character traits? Then... And this kind of goes a little bit back to the last one I did around confidence, last podcast I did around confidence, is just start to build proof. You know, each time, that's what we talked about with my client, each time you've probably solved to a higher level, say there's an example of, so we talked about proof of evidence and attaching to character traits or identity. So when I've had a moment of growing, my recording with my band last week is, here's proof that I'm somebody who likes to grow. Okay, so there's, you know, the fact that I recorded and did something I'd never done before is proof that I'm the kind of person who likes to grow. And that attachment to your personality or skills um, is a way that just reinforces this is deep within you. Uh, just when we're thinking about this, you've got to make sure you get good at seeing. I've, got, I've written down here, see, own, don't diminish. So see that you have grown, own that you've grown, I get to keep this, and don't diminish it, yes, but... You know, I see this a lot with uh, beginner runners. They have done really well, and they go, yeah, but I'm not quite there yet. It's like, well, we all got to progress, but you've definitely done well, so you should be allowed to own that. Um, and then and then look to the future with a deep understanding that I have these character traits. And this is a big one, because if you think about it, if you look to the future and you think you're wearing the emperor's clothes, and it was funny, actually, I was at the gym the other night, and one of my friends I go camping with, he's, he's got a pretty high-level job, and he's been doing it for a couple of years, and um, a pretty important job too. And I said, oh, how, how are you going on your job, mate? He goes, oh, I've definitely got imposter syndrome. Now, this guy is a smart guy. Again, he's hardworking. He's, he's intelligent. He's got his character traits great. He's fine. But even he feels this way. And so you're not alone if you feel this way. But when you start to understand that I have this foundation of these character traits, look at your tomorrow with this in mind. Look at your tomorrow with this in mind of, I have the ability to, to move forward in a way that I can be confident. Because as long as I maintain these tra- character traits, I'm going to be fine. And there's just a relief that comes with that. There's a power that comes with that. It was interesting when I go back to the main client I've been talking about today, I said, when you think about tomorrow with those character traits behind you, what does that mean? And he, and, he, and he just he kind of said, I just feel I can build something that I want to create. Now that's a different place to they see me naked and the mat might be pulled from underneath my feet, isn't it? The actions you take, the choices you make, the thing you build is completely different if you look at it with ambition and you think about the things you can create because you have those great character traits. And then lastly, evolve them. 
you know, what is higher level growth? What is higher level connection with people? You know, whatever your traits are, what is the next level of those characters? Because because if, if I can sit right now in this place where I'm like, oh my God, my character traits mean that tomorrow's good. What does it mean if I'm 10 steps down that path of my character traits? Now that's exciting. So part of your journey that you're on is how you develop those character traits to the highest level. So to recap, many of us feel we're imposters. Many of us are worried about the mat being pulled from underneath our feet. And often, that's a really irrational thought. It's not really based on evidence. It's, it's highly unlikely that this would happen. And so instead of worrying about an insecure future, which is not realistic, reinforce that your tomorrow is going to be fine because you have character traits that mean you're going to be fine. Identify what they are. Build proof. Don't diminish when you're successful. Look to tomorrow with that in mind and then build more evolution around these things. And tomorrow isn't just going to be fine. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be amazing. And the impact you'll have on yourself and your world will be absolutely huge. So do the work. And as always, you'll be a higher version of yourself. Right, our team, hopefully you got something away from that podcast today. Hopefully there's some good lessons in there for you. Um, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Um, I like this one. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. Relying to who you are and just be who you are. It's funny, I, I, I gave, I, I do a, a, a teacher class with somebody each week at the gym and uh, I just, I wrote her a compliment because she's been really evolving recently and um, I just kind of sent her an email last night saying, hey, I think you're doing great. You know, keep up the good work, and I love that you're kind of being more of who you are when you teach. Ultimately, is what I said, and um, she said, uh, she said something along the lines of, uh, "I'm allowing myself to be the crazy person I know I am inside when I'm teaching," and uh, and she's and the funny thing is she's teaching so much better because she's just being this version of herself, and you know, this is to be yourself is such a powerful thing, isn't it? You know, so many people struggle to do that, and. Uh, yeah, so I don't know, I'm just talking crap right now. I've got to say a big thank you to people who are putting um, putting kind of reviews of the podcast on your podcatchers around the world. Um, I'm just going to read out a couple. I just really appreciate it. It's podcasting so popular nowadays is, is finding your audience. So I'm always trying to spread the audience. There's a couple of ways you can do that. There's share it on social media. Just tell people, hey, this if you like a podcast, check out this one because nowadays people actually just listen. But the other way you can do it is go on your podcatcher and put up a review. And I've got a couple that just come through recently and are really, they're really cool. So this is from I Love Gummy Beers in New Zealand. And it's got, man, this podcast, this is an amazing podcast for health, fitness, and just everyday life. Find myself thinking now, hmm, what would Bevan think about this right now? <laughs> well, I don't know if that's a good thing. You've become my inner voice of accountability, motivating and inspiring me to be a better Higher Self, one of the easiest and most enjoyable podcasts I've come across with key takeaways you can implement into your life. So that was a pretty cool one there from I Love Gummy Beers. And then also Will slash underscore uh, NZ, and that's another one from New Zealand, and that's saying here, um, what a great podcast, love for listening to Bevan grow and learn and being able to join him on that journey thoroughly thoroughly recommended so uh, just anyone who's putting I'll read some more out next time because people are just supporting the podcast but I really really appreciate the people who actually go out there and put their reviews up it really just helps spread the word 
podcast is like it so it means a lot uh, if you do want to support the show in a more financial way you can go to the Bevan James Isles and just become a patron of the show if you are a patron you know who you are thank you very much go to podcast within my website click on what's the, what's the link it is support me and go through the Patreon process that's pretty much me for this week I'm about to jump on my piano I'm going to keep doing precise practice of you'll be back I tell you what team if you have not seen Hamilton you need to get Disney Plus. Now, I don't have Disney Plus, but I got it for one month to watch Hamilton. Um, I would recommend, if you haven't seen Hamilton, listen to the soundtrack a few times, but it is absolutely phenomenal. I've already watched it twice. Um, I may even end up watching it again, but beautiful musical. These uh, humans are great. You know, in this crazy time we live in, you know, just look around you. There's some pretty great humans out there. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm getting moshy right now, team. I'm getting moshy. Anyway, that's me for this week. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. I'm going to have an interview for you because I'm, I'm going to do my work. So I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Spread the word about the show. Keep being you as always. And I'll see you in about two weeks from now. Mm-hmm.